Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome into the top five running backs after the draft. And here, 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 hold on. Before we get into this, before we smack you with all that stuff, we're recording this right now in May. We're like a week after, not even a couple days after the NFL draft, literally like three days after the NFL draft. So if Najee Harris gets hurt in training camp, it's not going to be ready. If God forbid he goes out there and tears his little ACL, that thing snaps off like a rubber band at some point during the preseason of camp, and you see him on this list, there's a reason for that. This was recorded before. So before you get all angry and trying to get in that keyboard warrior mode, hold on, Super Saiyan. Let's wait a second here. Just check the date of this video. So let's start with number one of the top five. Yeah, we're going to start with number one. We're going to give you the big fellas right away. We're going to smack with the big fellas. Number, the number one play, the number one running back, rookie running back for this year, as of right now, is going to be one, Najee. Najee Harris. Najee Harris out of Alabama. If you don't know much about him, you're about to know a lot about him. Here you go on the screen right now. His college production last year, specifically in 13 games, was an absolute monster. And he got even better in the receiving game. 43 receptions on 57 targets, seeing over a 13% target share. When you're in college as a running back, if you touch a 10% tar target share, that's good. If you can see somewhere around 30 targets, that's fantastic. Your boy went for almost double that with 57. This was one of the better, well-rounded running back seasons that we have seen in a very long time, going for almost 1,500 yards and close to six yards per carry. Now, he's a 230-pound back at six foot one. He's thick with two Cs. He's exactly what we like to see out there at age 23. He broke out at his age 21 season with over 1,200 yards and close to six yards per carry. Always been a pretty good receiver. That's what we want when we're talking about fantasy. This video is going to be towards the PPR and half PPR formats because if, if you're still in the stone age and not playing in at least half PPR out there, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing with yourself. I don't know what your league's doing. Schmack somebody around, whoever your commissioner is. And if he's giving you a hard time, like my cousin Louis says, just body bag the guy. Or maybe not. So you can see there's some pros and some cons and things like that. But I want to focus on the backfield competition here. And we can start it off because this is going to be the big plus. The big thumbs up. Two thumbs up for Mr. Najee Harris is the fact that he doesn't have much back backfield competition. Benny Snell, somebody that drafted a couple years back, has absolutely no skill set in the receiving game, has honestly no skill set on the ground. He's supposed to be this in-between-the-ground runner terrible. He had three and a half yards per carry last year, two yards per carry, taking into account, uh, you know, some other factors outside of the terrible, the terrible, like what he was expected to get, an efficiency stat, not just normal yards per carry. That ranked 63rd last year on 28% of the snaps. He ranked 63rd in yards per touch as well. Brutal and only a 2% target share. He was terrible. Anthony McFarlane last year, who was a fourth-round running back, okay, maybe he's going to look good. He came out of Maryland. He was kind of this jitter, jitterbug guy, could break some tackles, actually looked really good. Never got much of a chance. When he did, he looked decent. 11% of the snaps. He averaged three and a half yards per carry, had 10 total targets, more so just kind of got shot out of a cannon type of effect. So I think he looked good just from that, the bias before he actually did anything after the line of scrimmage, because after that happened, wasn't great. It's hard to blame these guys, though, and we're about to get into that into the offensive line. But before we do, Kalen Balaj. How could we not mention Kalen Balaj, a man who seems like he's 28 motherfucking years old? He's only 25. He goes to Miami. Every single player sucks in Miami at that time. He ends up leaving Miami, he goes to the Jets, he's kind of eh there, and then he ends up going to the Chargers, where he's pretty damn decent, mainly in the receiving game, with a 9% target share last year. So there's no standouts in this backfield. Now, your main concern, and your main concern is going to be, the reason why kind of all these guys suck last year, outside of them just sucking, Anthony McFarlane, maybe not the worst guy back there, compared to these other guys as a rookie, but the reason why none of them did great was, yeah, they suck, but also, also, the offensive line play was absolutely brutal. And I hate to break it to you, but there's a really good chance that it's going to maybe even get worse. And statistically speaking, it could. They ranked 31st last year, so you can drop down one more spot. Now, it's not going to be looking great. They lost four guys this offseason. Pouncey, Villanueva, some actually big names they ended up losing from the offensive line. That's not great. Now, they did acquire two players in the NFL draft, a third and a fourth round talent, if you will, to kind of bolster this line. They signed a free agent in Joe Haig as well during free agency. 
Honestly, it might have gotten worse, which is not great to see for one Najee Harris. Can he overcome that after playing behind one of the best lines in college football last year? We'll have to see. But the fact that you can throw into, into, into account his pass catching and receiving game makes me like Najee Harris. The fact that this running back class absolutely sucks ass. This running back class, yes, right there. Tell your mother, your brother, your sister, your auntie, uncle. It sucks. It's terrible. And Najee Harris is none of those things. So he separates himself even more, makes the gap even wider. Najee Harris right now is going to be, for me, my rookie running back one. And he should not be too shocked by any of that shit. Now, the number two option is somebody who went a pick after Najee Harris. Najee Harris, 24th overall in the first round. And he had 25th overall in the first round. Mr. Travis Etienne, who a lot of people didn't know who was going to be the RB1 in this class. There was a lot of really close lines. It was favored to be Najee Harris. Both of them cashed a lot of draft prop tickets for people out there. So shout out to all of you. And Travis Etienne weighing in at 215 pounds, 5'10", age 22. Decent speed on him as well. Has that long speed that was his biggest attribute. Every fucking person you listen to. Oh, this guy can break one long. Of course, of course, of course. Every single person is saying that. Had a fine career when he was out there in Clemson this past year. I would say not as great compared to previous years where he was averaging somewhere around seven yards per carry. This past year, just, and I say just pretty loosely, 5.6 yards per carry. Fine in the passing game. That was the biggest thing that he wanted to do over the offseason. He got a lot better in the receiving game. He had 58 targets, 48 receptions, very comparable to one Najee Harris in that element of his game in the receiving game in the big play upside. And honestly, for fantasy purposes in PPR formats, he might be able to, he might be able to outproduce Najee Harris. Harris, the downside is that offensive line. Travis Etienne's is probably just going to be the backfield competition. So you can see some of his career stuff on the screen. Now the backfield competition is going to be the very interesting topic of discussion for the next couple of months. And I'm here to tell you right now, a couple of days after the draft, without any crazy wacky injury news happening, exactly how this motherfucking thing is going to play out. In this backfield, you have James Robinson, an undrafted free agent last year who had every fucking thing break his way last year to be able to go out there and produce the season that he did. Now he wasn't overly spectacular. He just had the number one opportunity share in the entire NFL. Yes, that's right. Nobody else in this backfield had any touches. But what happened to allow Jacksonville and James Robinson to get this lovely role last year? Well, Leonard Fournette gets cut basically somewhat out of nowhere. Some people thought it might happen, but basically out of nowhere for the most part. It was the unlikely outcome. Gets cut last year. Raquel Armstead, right before the season starts. Raquel Armstead, going to be the number one back. He gets COVID. Okay. And then there's Divine Azigbo and James Robinson, and they're kind of both in camp testing it out here and there. Divine Azigbo gets an ankle injury, and now, now you have James Robinson, the only fucking guy in this entire backfield that could potentially do anything out there. They don't make LaVishka Chenault the running back. So it's James Robinson has every opportunity to do what he wants to do last year. And he played very well. Seven out of his 14 games played, he was a top 10 running back last year in PPR formats. That is clearly fantastic. He went over 1,000 yards. He ranked overall seventh in snaps last year for running backs at 74, which in this day and age, if you're touching the 70s, it's very nice. So yes, James Robinson had a fine season last year. We can't discount that, but we also have to take into account that he was an undrafted free agent. There was no money tied up in James Robinson, really the bare minimum. This is a whole new regime in there with Urban Meyer. You have a whole new quarterback coming in. A whole new, basically, regime is happening now, and they have no ties to James Robinson. Sure, you did nice last year because we gave you every fucking opportunity we possibly could. It wasn't like he was overwhelmingly efficient. He averaged 4.9 yards per touch. You want to know where that ranked out of all running backs in the NFL? 30 seconds. So he wasn't this insanely efficient running back. He just had a lot of volume. So if people want to go out there and say, James Robinson, oh, he's still out there. This is going to hurt Travis Etienne. I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. The only other guy in this backfield is Carlos Hyde, who's a journeyman. He's 31 years old. He played a decent amount when he was healthy last year with the Seahawks, and he looked decent. He averages four yards per carry. He's just Carlos Hyde. He's the RB3 in this team. I think Travis Etienne is going to be the running back. A first round pick, you know, the talent, the, the amount of money you're paying him now, how you're locking him up for four years and potentially five if you want to take that option. The amount of money that you're paying Travis Etienne now the amount of incentive you have with this new regime who chose him to be the teammate in college and now in the NFL with the number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence Travis Etienne is going to be a motherfucking monster in my opinion and he's already he's already in my mind the RB1 on this team and it's just going to take a little bit of time for other people to realize that you're getting it right here first and foremost how you doing so now before we get into the running back three four and five where things start to get shaken up a little bit because 
no, I'm not going to be the Javante Williams is number three like every other fucking person in the world. That's not going to be my number three. I do want to let you know about our draft guide, the 2021 draft guide that I've been putting together this year. It is back. It is better than ever. You can check it out. All the rankings, all the key stats, all the tiers and all the other stuff that you're looking for, player profiles on rookies and a bunch of other stuff. Top 150s. A lot of other stuff in the draft guide. You can pre-order it today. And depending on when you're watching this, it might already be out. It's linked down below in the description. Price Picks is sponsoring that draft guide. You make a little deposit over there. You make the minimum deposit. You get it for half off the actual cost. And bam, they send me your email. I'll send you access once it is indeed ready. And it might already be ready. So it's down below if you want to check out any type of draft guide. It is 50% off with that offer, which is a limited time because Price Picks is sponsoring this. We're trying to see what the engagement is on that. So check it out down below if you're interested in getting into the draft guide for the 2021 NFL season. So now we're gonna to the three, four, and five running backs in this here 2021 season for redraft purposes. My number three, again, is not Javante Williams. I know Javante Williams is number three for a lot of people. It's not for me. I know Javante Williams they traded up for at the 35th overall pick. They took him in the second round. I get it. But Javante Williams went to the Denver Broncos, and we'll talk about him in a second. There's other guys there. There's other things happening in Denver right now that don't make me want to go there as much. My number three right now is out of UNC, Javante Williams' teammate there, Michael Carter, who was taken just outside the top 100 picks, 107th overall by the New York Jets, a team where I like this a lot for them because of the fact that there's not that much competition there. And what you're getting out of the New York Jets offensive line is improvement and improvement in a major way, not only after last year, but also after this past season. So he was fine in college and one of the more exciting offenses where there was Javante Williams, where they had some top quarterbacks and top overall wide receivers. It was a fun offense to be looking at for UNC. And you saw him in 11 games, put up about 1,500 total yards of offense. He ended up seeing 30 targets. He was very good. He was a quality pass catching back, and he's probably the best pass catching running back already on this Jets roster. He also broke out as an 18-year-old freshman. Fun fact for you right there on top of all these other frags. So he let's talk about some fracks right now. We'll talk about the backfield competition to start this thing off. And I'm putting these guys on the screen right now. These are the two main guys. There's Ty Johnson and some other motherfuckers out there, but we're focusing on these two guys. Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman, who's done absolutely nothing in his entire career. One season when he was younger, I think a rookie season with the Atlanta Falcons, he ran straight downhill into an offensive line behind the offensive line when the Falcons had a decent one, and he broke a couple long runs, and people love Tevin Coleman. But he stinks. He's not great. He doesn't stay healthy. He is the reason why he signed a one-year up to $1.1 million deal. That is terrible. That is, if Adrian Peterson came back right now, he'd probably get two or $3 million. $1.1 million. I don't know who his agent is. Absolutely brutal. Only $400,000 guaranteed. Tevin Coleman is actually a cut candidate. Yes, Tevin Coleman is actually a cut candidate. That's another one that we'll tell you right now. We'll probably clip this in the future when it happens and we'll pat ourselves in the back and we'll shake our hands. We'll put our hands. Hey, 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 ready, ready, ready. We put our hands in the air like we just don't care. We're chilling out, relaxing. We're maxing all cool. Let's talk about this a little bit more now because the other competition. So Tevin Coleman, he's 28, played 17% of the snaps last year, averaged a pitiful 1.9 yards per carry, become one of the most efficient offenses, the San Francisco 49ers run game of really honestly all time under Kyle Shanahan. You had a top 20 yards per touch running back in Jeffrey Wilson last year out of all guys. You had another season of being a top 10 yards per touch running back and borderline top 10 yards creator Raheem Mostart, who's yeah, 29 years old. So yeah, Tevin Coleman stinks if those guys are able to get it done. And then you have LaMichael P. Ryan, who was also a later round pick last year, fourth round pick, just like Michael Carter was this year, but he stunk last year too. He's 23 years old. I know he's not completely going to be done. He had a lot of opportunities to be the number one back last year when Frank Gore started to not get as many carries when Le'Veon Bell ended up getting taken out of there. He played 32% of the snaps and he averaged just 3.6 yards per carry. He only had four broken tackles on every single one of his touches. It was one of the worst metrics that we ended up seeing from a running back last year. Again, he was a rookie, so let's give him a little bit of a break, but he's somewhat undersized. So is Michael Carter, but he did push over 200 pounds, which is very nice to see the thick with two C's getting over 200 pounds. But Pirine, there's a reason why they just drafted another running back at the exact same spot, slightly ahead of where they took you last year. You did not show them anything last year, and he had a lot of opportunities, and he did not look good by any means. He averaged last year just 3.9 yards per touch, so this is a very good spot for Michael Carter to be landing right now because there's not much competition as it stands right now if another veteran is not brought in. I think they already got theirs with Coleman, and he is 
no bueno. But on the screen right now is the Jets offensive line from last year to this year, basically. And if we just want to see the changes, right, we can sit, skip to the changes. Nobody ended up leaving this offensive line. If you remember last year, they took Mekhi Beckton with the 11th overall pick. He's already one of the better young offensive linemen in the league. And then they ended up trading up in the first round and they took Elijah Vera Tucker, who I thought was a fantastic pick, an offensive guard out of USC. Looked very good. They added Dean, Dan Feeney for a little bit of uh, depth, I believe, from the Los Angeles Chargers. So the bottom line, as you can see right here, the Jets got better with this Elijah Vera Tucker pick on their offensive line. They now have two young studs in back-to-back -back drafts on the offensive line for the rookie quarterback out there. And Michael Carter dealing with the rookie quarterback. You probably want to pass catcher on the field a little bit more, make it easier for Zach Wilson to kind of get tempered into it and settled into the New York atmosphere, the New York climate. So that is why Michael Carter is the running back three for me this year. And it really just comes down to PPR upside, right? You can be saying that Javante Williams is going to get himself 100 carries in that backfield. And yes, he's a fine pass catching running back, but so is Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon wasn't known as a pass catcher coming out, but so is Melvin Gordon. And we'll talk about Javante Williams because this draft class, yes, it just sucks. It's terrible. So Javante Williams is my running back four right now when it comes to seeing the positions in the landing spots and the draft capital that we got to see them at and Javante Williams yeah he was a second round pick that is good to see most second round picks see some time and if they end up getting in a nice spot where maybe an older running back in Melvin Gordon who's dealt with injuries in the past maybe he ends up going down there's not much competition there for one Javante Williams so the Denver Broncos traded up to pick 35 and ended up taking him I'm sure they did not think Travis Etienne and Najee Harris would both go in the top 25 probably Harris not Etienne so they ended up having to go and secure a running back they traded up to do so probably personally would not have done that but what are you going to do he's not a fast running back 462 speed he's 5'10 212 pounds one of the few running backs that's actually over 210 pounds that showed something in college he also played at UNC with the before mentioned Michael Carter so he was fine in college he had over 1100 yards last year he's fine he broke the record in PFF's database for forced missed tackles per touch and overall missed tackles with 75 last year so it's very good to see right this is kind of the thing that gets NFL GMs especially the old head ones that really want to go there and this is Melvin Gordon that you have in this competition now in this backfield on his contract year on a second year of a two-year deal where this year he's actually due a decent amount of money he's an 8.9 million dollar cap hit and we can pull up the competition that you're going to be seeing this year in the backfield because there's a decent amount of guys they signed some guys back there so this is why Javante Williams mainly because of the competition is not going to be the guy that I want to get to right away and also because of the team right now it seems like Drew Locke is still the quarterback out there the team you have to keep in mind how often are they going to be scoring touchdowns and when they do where is it going to be coming from I think they're going to be scoring touchdowns not that often with Drew Locke this year and then if they go to a backup quarterback even less and I do think a lot of it's going to be coming from the receiving game where they put so much emphasis into last year by drafting a couple of receivers KJ Hamler Jerry Judy Judy dealt with a lot of injury last year and even looked good Cortland Sutton coming back Noah Font right they have a lot of depth at wide receiver even Tim Patrick is like a wide receiver five now so I think it's going to be coming from there or yeah Melvin Gordon the guy that's in front of you right now so he's kind of buried at this point the competition hurts him a little bit and outside of Melvin Gordon here's the rest of the competition right now now you may be saying that this isn't actually competition it's just Melvin Gordon I don't know though I don't know if Javante Williams was automatically going to be the backup running back it'll probably have to see how he looks in camp because sure in college he might be the flashy younger running back but Royce Freeman's only 25 years old there's a reason why Royce Freeman is still on this roster and they let Philip Lindsay go who everybody thinks is better but they like Royce Freeman so there's something to be said there 23% of the snaps in 2020 he averaged 4.7 yards per carry so he's pretty solid in that regard and he caught 12 of his 13 targets for 81 yards so Royce Freeman you might be laughing right now at Royce Freeman over Javante Williams yeah I mean there's a reason he's on this team and he's not a 30 year old backup running back or, or second or third string running back he's 25 and he actually has some juice in him so yeah Javante Williams just isn't automatically 
likely the RB2 on this team. That's going to have to get worked down in the preseason and in camp. And then Mike Boone, they ended up picking up and signing, who's also an athletic freak. He's just always buried on every single depth chart. He gets buried on the Minnesota depth chart. He gets buried, basically, that's where he was for most of his time. But he's also young, right? Relatively young at 26 years old, basically Ezekiel Elliott's age, 7.5% of the snaps last year, 13 touches for 69 yards, but he has a lot of burst. I'm sure we'll see him in the preseason. So I don't think he'll be behind Mike Boone. That would look really bad for you if you were this organization. But there's going to be a real battle, not for the RB1 position, in my opinion, for Javante Williams, the RB2 with Royce Freeman. Take it as you will. And as we close the door in this RB4 and go to RB5, the offensive line, which is something to always talk about for these running backs, it's basically the same and not much of a change here. They lost Amir Dotson, as you can see right here. They added some guys and really just one player in the NFL draft, Quinn Marenez. I hope I'm pronouncing that's right. And that's basically it. There's really not much change overall. It'll be a very similar offensive line as of right now. So that's why that's not much of a talking point for the Denver Broncos and Javante Williams. Now, the number five guy for me, it can honestly be a couple of different guys. You can really go all over the place if you want to. Now, obviously, the best draft capital left is Trey Sermon picked in the third round. He's going to a really good offense. That's just proven to let running backs do their thing. But Raheem Mostert is the clear number one there. Been a very efficient back when healthy the last two to three seasons. You also have Jeffrey Wilson, who broke out last year in his age, about 25 season. He was a top 20 yards per touch running back. So there's a lot of guys already back there. Jermichael Hasty, an undrafted free agent who looked decent in that backfield as well. They drafted another rookie running back in Elijah Mitchell, who from a small school also looked fine in like a strong option based on where they drafted him. So there's a lot of running backs right now. They're not all going to be making the team. So Trey Sermon is where you go first just because of the draft capital, but it's at least worth mentioning a couple other running backs that were out there. Kenny Gainwell, again, going to a place where it's going to be a little bit loaded. Javion Hawkins wasn't even drafted, picked up by the Falcons who don't have a lot of depth, but he is a smaller 180 pound running back, more so like a, a gadget type of a guy, just a receiving back only. You have Chuba Hubbard going directly behind right now. At least people think maybe Christian McCaffrey, but there's some other guys in that backfield as well, veterans as well. So he's not directly automatically the backup in my opinion. That's why he's not here. Yeah, Gerard Dokes, somebody that not a lot of people know going to Miami. We'll see if he can take the backup job, but that's not secure yet either. Khalil Herbert, Chris Evans, a lot of these guys that went later in the sixth and seventh round. So it's really hard to put a sixth or seventh round running back on this list when most fourth and fifth round running backs barely get anything done. So Trey Sermon going to a really good offense. Trey Sermon getting picked in the third round and also coming from a big school, a lot of tough competition, showed out towards the end of the season when he had some fresh legs at Ohio State. Then yeah, Trey Sermon is going to be my running back five right now, just because that's how bad, that's how bad this class is. Now Trey Sermon, and you can put him on the screen right now, he ended up transferring from Oklahoma after a couple of seasons. He only had 54 carries in 2019. Then he transferred from Oklahoma. He was fine last year in eight games. A lot of it came towards the end of the season. It took an injury to the running back ahead of him for him to break out, but he had seven and a half yards per carry, broke out towards the end of the season as well, was a fine pass catching running back. He broke 24 tackles, only played in eight games because of the Big Ten having the shortened season. And then he got additional games because of the postseason after that. But a big back, six foot, 215 pounds, 466 speed, and he is young at 21 years old. So even after this contract of his, he'll still be young and 25 looking for his second contract more than likely. Postseason is really why he got on the radar and became probably a third round pick instead of maybe even like a fifth round pick. That's how bad this running back class was. He had a big game against a good defense in Northwestern. He had a big game in a big spot against Clemson, right? And then he ended up getting hurt later on in that game. But this is the biggest talking point that we already talked about. It's just the depth right now. Like he's going to come into this team pushing for the RB3 job, in my opinion. It looks like Jeff Wilson is somebody that's already secured as the RB2. Raheem Mostert, if healthy, is definitely the RB1 here. Even though he's 29, he continues to be efficient. This is back-to-back -back seasons now being a top 10 yards per touch overall player and borderline top 10 yards created. That's him doing it all on his own, not even taking into account that he has one of the best overall offensive scheme, run blocking schemes, if not the best in Kyle Shanahan around him. He's a strong pass catcher as well. So there's Mostart. Then there's Jeff Wilson, like we talked about, played 42% of the snaps, had over 125 carries last year. And you can keep going to Jermichael Hasty. Eli Mitchell was a sixth round Elijah, once to be called Eli, was a sixth round pick. Jermichael Hasty was an undrafted free agent last year. So I do think spending a third round pick, you should probably pretty easily be able to beat out Jermichael Hasty as the RB3 in this depth chart.
start. And then as we go into the season, maybe in the preseason, he can push some Jeff Wilson, but he's probably right now the RB3 on a depth chart that does feature a lot of different backs at a different time, but it's going to be really tough for him to go out there and get a 200 touch season as of right now. Now, the good news for him, and maybe not good news in general, but these guys ahead of him, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mozart, have a long history of just some injuries, right? Injuries for them. And he's on a team where his coach likes to give the ball to different guys. Now, also something to point out is Trey Lance was drafted third overall, who seems to be a guy who had over 1,100 yards in the one full season that we got to see him, seems to be a guy that's rushing that will run the ball. So that hurts him even more. That hurts all these running backs, but it also hurts the guy trying to push for the RB2 spot or RB3 spot. So that is going to be my number five running back right now. And that is Trey Sermon. And those are the top five right there. Again, it really falls off a cliff. Honestly, for me, after Michael Carter, like I want guys, if we're talking about this year, not Dynasty, this year who can contribute. I don't think that Javante Williams is good enough that if it takes him six or eight games to supplant a Melvin Gordon, who's in a contract year trying to fight for a one final contract in the NFL, I don't think he's going to have enough in five or six or eight games of the season to really push you forward ahead of a Michael Carter, who as of right now can be getting six to eight to 10 touches right off the bat from week one, most of which are in the passing game helps you in PPR formats. So thank you for tuning into this video, the top five rookie running backs after we got the landing spots that we're doing a couple days after the NFL draft. Be sure to like and subscribe before you leave. There will be a 2021 fantasy football playlist popping up after this. If you want to continue to see some of the mock drafts that I do in other positions that will be rolling out throughout the summer as we approach draft season. That draft guide again is linked down below. It is the first link to go ahead and get it through price picks. There's a landing page. There's a video on there that explains exactly exactly how you get that for 50% off limited time only the draft guide for 2021 my top 150s tiers rankings all those types of stuff to get you prepped for player profiles all the information you need to dominate your draft dominate your league make your competition whatever it might be like and subscribe before you go if you have any questions you can reach out to me on my social medias which are up on the screen right now see you all in the next one